Support our programming at patreon.com slash rebelforceradio. Become a patron, and your contributions can help unlock bonus shows from RFR, online hangouts with the Rebel Force Radio crew, and more. Say it loud and say it proud. Support Rebel Force Radio. Click on the Patreon banner at rebelforceradio.com or visit patreon.com slash rebelforceradio. Rebel Force Radio is brought to you in part by Little Debbie Snacks, makers of all galactic goodness, like mini donuts, star crunch, cosmic cupcakes, cosmic brownies, nutty bars, and much more. Little Debbie, official snack of Rebel Force Radio and fans around the galaxy. From Tops comes the all-new digital card collecting app, Star Wars Card Trader. For the first time ever, collect and trade everything from legendary 1977 Star Wars cards to new cards featuring exclusive content from Star Wars Episode 7: The Force Awakens, all from the comfort of your mobile device. Star Wars Card Trader. These are the cards you're looking for. Rebel Force Radio presents... This is Master Obi-Wan Kenobi. I regret to report that both our Jedi Order and the Republic have fallen. This is Star Wars Rebels Declassified. I like the sound of that. A roundtable discussion about Star Wars Rebels. Pretty gutsy move, kid. I am the Inquisitor. We're busted. Chopper, get us out of here. Now it's time for Star Wars Rebels Declassified. You know, first when this episode came on, I thought I was watching a documentary about the Apple factories in China. About the same conditions, I think, as the as the Imperial assembly line there. I don't know. I, I didn't see any suicide nets, but... Oh, sick burn! Well, I, I love Apple. You know that I love Apple I do. products. You're, you're not. You're an Apple apologist. I, oh yeah, absolutely. But I just I couldn't help but think it's like, oh, this is so inhuman. And I'm like, oh yeah, it's just how it's just how Chinese factories are. Um, and I also was thinking of. I love this show. This show, um, A Man in the High Castle, and which is about what if the Nazis and the Japanese would have won World War II. And uh, and the guy works inside this uh, this gun factory, and it's very much like this, you know. But uh, some hardcore tactics when you're when you're working for the uh, the Imperials or the or the Nazis or uh, Tim Cook, whatever. Anyway, um, <laughs> now we're here to talk about, of course, Star Wars Rebels. Uh, looking at uh, still season three here, episode eight or ten, depending on how you count. An Inside Man. And the original air date for this episode, December 3rd, 2016. Directed by Stuart Lee and written by Nicole Dubik. Or Dubuk. Or Dubik. Not sure how to pronounce that. Is that the first time we've seen Nicole's name? That's a good question. I don't ever recall hearing about Nicole. but I don't recall hearing about Nicole either. Uh, So this may be uh, a new member of the writing team. But anyway, so we're going to break it all down for you, talk about this one. What a breath of fresh air for me. My God, I felt like I was watching Rebels again. There are real stakes. There are consequences. And uh, we have a really fun group to talk about it uh, with all of you. And starting with my good friend and yours from Chicago, Jimmy Mack. Hey, Jason. Hey, Star Wars fans. Yes, so true. As we're ramping up toward the, uh, the end of the first half of season three, and we start heading into some Rogue One territory, they're giving us something really nice uh, as a, a parting gift. We still do have one more episode before the holiday break, and then we're going to take, a, gosh, three weeks, maybe a month off before we start seeing Rebels show up again in 2017. And uh, we've been talking about the last few episodes maybe being a little bit on the thin side, but there certainly is a lot to feast on on this great episode and Inside Man. And I can't wait to get down and dirty and talk about this killer episode with our awesome panel. Yes, sir. And we do. Have, we have a great panel. Uh, we have the hosts of Techno Retro Dads with us. We have Shaz Bazaar and I like to call him Jedi Schwa. Um, but their real names, uh, Josh Stolt and Stuart Tullis. Welcome back to the show, gentlemen. 
Yes. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's good that you have me on the shows that are that are not a little thin. See, it's appropriate that now I'm here. Yes. Because I'm not a little thin, so it's okay. Well, we, well, we, well, we want to, we, we want to make sure we, you know, look, if we're going to have you guys on the show, I mean, we need to make sure that there's an episode worthy of having you guys. And and quite frankly, uh, for me, the last couple didn't quite cut the mustard. I'll be honest, I, I was not a big fan of the uh, Winkafu job, uh, nor was I really all that fond of uh, uh, Iron Squadron. So. I but figured you'd like this one. I, I like this one, and I'll tell you, the, the thing that I like the most about it is that it adds... Other, other than the Apple products, right? Yeah, other, yeah, other than the fact that you're making iPhones and iPads there in that factory. Oh, uh, no, no, you know it was an Apple factory because they have suits that instantly fit any body size, and only <laughs> Apple could do something like that. Yes, that's true. <laughs> uh, that's true. Um, um, and I, I do you think, like... You know, there's there's something kind of Steve Jobs like about Thrawn. You think maybe he uh, he used to make people like <laughs> like make make a phone call on that phone. <laughs> How long can you make that phone call last? Five minutes, ten minutes. Ah! Well, that, <laughs> now that, that really did Thrawn happen in, in Samsung, a didn't it? And jeans. That's yeah, right. <laughs> Grand, Grand Admiral Jobs. Um, and I am a fan. I'm a I'm a total Apple fanboy. You know. I, but anyway, all right. So I, one of the, I'll tell you what I liked about it right off the bat is that I thought, Jimmy, that this added another layer onto the rebel strategy. This showed us another method for how to rebel, how the rebels are striking out against the empire. This whole thing about uh, sabotage, I don't, I don't remember ever seeing this before, either in Clone Wars or in uh, uh, in Rebels. Have we? I don't know. The rebel strategy. Yeah, no, sabotage. This strategy of sabotage from the inside. I don't think this is a strategy that we have seen before. Oh, oh, I see. So you're talking about the engineers that are slash rebel sympathizers, rebel sabotagers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Destroying the war machine. They're infecting the war machine of the Empire from within. I've never this concept broached before in Star Wars. However, if I can take it maybe on a larger scale, mm-hmm. I believe that if you look back at the old EU, there was this cat who was the original architect of the Death Star. Right. And I believe he before played Galen around Urso. with some fail-safes. No, not, not Galen Urso. I'm talking about right, before that. Yeah, canon. There was a guy named, I'm going to screw up his name. It was Bevel Lemelisk, I want to say. That's it. That's the guy. Thank you. Thank you. And and so it, I recall him making appearances in novels like Darksaber mm-hmm. back in the 90s and his very contentious relationship with the Emperor made him put a few safeguards into the Death Star itself. So if you want to ever read about that, the novel I think to check out would be Darksaber. And you can certainly look up a lot of information about this guy on Wikipedia, Bevel Lemelis. So, But that's the only comparison I can think of off the top of my head of people actually working and building the war machine for the Empire, sabotaging it from within. Yeah. I mean, we've seen open combat. We've seen you know, stealing uh, weapons and supplies from the Empire. But this was, uh, I thought this was a really clever um, strategy for the Rebels, and it was really clever of the writing team to incorporate this idea. Um, it, and it all- definitely installed dramatic tension into the episodes, especially when Thrawn asked that engineer oh. slash saboteur to jump on the bike and test it. And the guy knew what was happening. He shut it down. And then Thrawn pulls out his iPad. Again, yeah. another <laughs> Steve Jobs movie. <laughs> yeah, and he's controlling that thing. And he's controlling. Why yeah. didn't that dude jump off of it, though? I mean, come on. Well, I, mean, yeah, I mean, how would <laughs> you like to have been Morad Sumar? I mean, he's like, oh, I mean, <laughs> it really did. Again, stakes and tension. This is what I was looking for uh, from the show. And, it, and, it, and it did happen. It was an actually pretty brutal death. It was it brutal, was. but it wasn't clever. I mean, you know, you used to get your 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 pants pocket when you pull the little tag in your pants pocket that you got at Kmart when you were a kid and it said inspected by number yeah. such and such and such and such. You know, all they have to do is check the records. Yeah, who's been, who's been inspecting these? Not that clever. 
Yeah. Yeah, but Thrawn Thrawn's making a statement for sure. Yeah. And and we have confirmation of Sumar's death. Obviously, they you know he's gone for the rest of the episode, and they say he died at the end. But we do see that charred helmet roll across the floor, which is always your your solid indicator. If Roger Ebert was still alive, he'd put that in his like little movie book of things we always <laughs> see in movies. Like whenever someone eats Chinese food in a movie, you always see them eating it directly out of the white container with chopsticks. <laughs> well, whenever uh, someone dies on Rebels and you want to confirm their death, look for the charred helmet that rolls across the floor in front of everyone. Yeah, there's a lot of... Ro- there, there, Star Wars has got some rolling heads. You had Count Dooku's and, and- rolling head. Yeah, Django's rolling head. Yes. You got this guy. And the thing is, is that everyone looks at the charred helmet. They don't look at the the grisly remains just like out of camera angle. (laughs) They they all look at the helmet only. I'd be looking at the guy going, oh, man. Shaz, I I think he he was up on the TIE fighters above him. Oh, he got smoked. Yeah, he was he was like (laughs) stuck up on the uh, ceiling like uh, (laughs) that. dead moth you know this was Shaz. for me this was the first time that i finally looked at thrawn and went oh oh, oh okay this this guy's playing for keeps uh up yeah, to he, this point up to this it. point he didn't he didn't i didn't find him all that intimidating really it, not unless you know what's going on with thrawn from books you know you, yeah. you you're just like oh yeah this guy thrawn what's he doing i don't know he's quiet weird music playing in the background uh-huh uh he, he gets voice. beat every time and he and he acts like you know he intended it. He does intend it. Uh, you know, and, and you do see some some consequences from what he's doing. I mean, I'm expecting in the second half of this season, we're going to see all this stuff come together and he's going to really whip up on some rebels. I got to this. Maybe I'm jumping a little bit ahead on this, um, Josh. But do you think in you know, one of my criticisms of, of Thrawn has been that. You know, as as Shaz alluded to, you know, this whole I meant to do that. You know, his plans go awry. The rebels escape. He meant to do that. But now that it's been revealed that Callus is Fulcrum. And by the way, we broke that story several, I think, a couple months ago. Oh, my Uh, God. Are you kidding me? I was this is not a. Oh, pat myself on the back. I'm right. But there was a weird tremor in the force I felt in the early part of season one. Yes. And you can go you back and listen. To that. Yes, As a matter of fact, I would like someone to help me out and actually pinpoint when I actually said that I believe Callus will join the rebellion. I can I, I can tell you when because oh. it was it. We uh, Shaz and I were on that episode. I believe that was no. the one that we were talking about that with. No, it was, it was the one where it, it was the one where he. Uh, Got left on the planet after the Empire left. They kind of left Callus there. Yeah, it was that? We had a con- on the yeah, right? No, 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 no. Before that, Before this is like that. the Empire. The Empire that he was fighting on some. I, it might have been Lothal, and and they just kind of left him behind. And uh, hmm, I think that I was that was before that. we knew about Ahsoka, but we had clues about Ahsoka. We had just seen the crate with her little tattoo mm-hmm. head. Yeah, symbol on yeah. it. I think, I think that I was went, the episode. I think I, I think I went earlier than that. I seem to it recall been, maybe maybe in one of the first three episodes. And oh, uh, maybe so. You know, I would have gone and dug it up myself, guys, but sorry, I was a little busy hanging out at Skywalker Ranch this weekend. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, like I said, I don't want to pat myself on the back during this, but what am I doing? So uh, I, I did call it, though, very early on that Callus would join the rebellion. And it was just it was there was really nothing evident about his his actions or anything he had well, done as a character that at that point it was just there was just a gut feeling i had and i didn't and i didn't disagree i mean i've been drawing the comparisons between him and uh javert from les mis uh i thought is very similar character uh where you have this I, this guy who's been um his whole world is turned upside down when he realizes that the the the, the people he's been the type of people type of person he's been trained to hate all of his life turns out to be the good guy and the oh story. my god! And I totally remember you. Totally remember you making that Lemez connection. Ooh, yeah. And so here's the deal: if somebody can get me the earliest reference I make to Callus turning good, joining the rebellion, however I said it, I swear to God, it's in that first few handful of episodes of Rebels: The Classified. If you find it for me, we'll float you out something cool. Josh, do you think that this this 
callous fulcrum thing, do you think that this is part of the long game that Thrawn is playing? I mean, perhaps, does this justify um, sort of his, you know, perhaps lack of victories because he's drawing fulcrum out? Is this really his strategy? I don't think it's his strategy. I think he'll use it to his advantage. But I don't think he knew Callus uh, was the one before this episode. Do you think he suspected that um, there was a mole prior to this? Probably, probably. I mean, he's smart enough to know that. But yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't think that was his overall plan. Is to to find out even who the mole was or who Callus was. And I think. And and I get the sense even just from this season alone, even though we've seen. You know, plenty of victories because I think part of the way that uh, you know Dave wants to play this series is that the heroes win by the end or almost win. But we've seen plenty of uh, failures as this series has gone on with people's deaths and and times that they didn't maybe get what they want. Even even that last episode uh, with Hondo, you know, they really didn't succeed in getting everything they wanted. They just got a few bombs, especially Hondo, but. Um, yeah. So I think I think I get the sense from the attitude of of the rebels, especially Hera, that Thrawn has won a lot more than we're seeing. Like he's had more victories than what yeah, they've actually that shown be, us. Though, I mean, should that be? Should 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 all the off screen stuff be where this guy has? You know, should his reputation be based on everything we see off screen or everything that happens no. off screen? Because that's that's how I feel that. That's kind of a. Uh, if that's true, I think that's kind no, of weak. I, well, I mean, I would agree that I think that there should be a lot more of his victories on there because you'd get a, more of a sense of how smart he is, how good he is at what he does. A lot of people know that that have read the books and kind of yeah. know that character, but for those that have never seen that or for kids that are watching that, um, I you know the the most creepy thing about him is just his his calmness and his creepy Vincent oh, yeah. Price voice you know it's just I mean so but I know I think they actually need to probably show uh, a lot more uh, failures on the Rebels part it, it gives it that uh, middle chapter kind of feeling like Empire Strikes Back where everything was just going down the space toilet you know and yes, and he, yes. he, he needs to start winning the the Thrawn needs to start striking back and the rebels need to start failing so that as the series progresses to whatever its end is going to be, uh, we see, which apparently is Rogue One, uh, we uh, see them starting to succeed. Yeah, winning their first battle right. against right. the Galactic Empire. How uh, many first battles had they won? First well, victories. Yeah, first vi- yeah, right. Scored their first victory. Um, Jim, should we be seeing... Grand Admiral Thrawn trouncing around the universe and and crushing uh, rebel cells? Well, I mean, the the true objective here, I I believe, is to keep him locked in on the ghost crew. You know, I mean, you don't want to send him off uh, doing things around the galaxy that don't focus on the ghost crew because the show is about the ghost crew. So um, you'd have to assume maybe in his downtime that's what he's doing, but Sooner or later, he's really going to start bringing the hammer down really hard on our favorite rebels. And so why see him do that elsewhere in the galaxy when we don't have a vested interest in whoever his victims are? Let's let's see them build this guy up, build up his menacing uh, reputation, his uh, skills as a tactician, and... I believe someone mentioned his creepiness, which he certainly has ample qualities, quantities of. Thank you to the, uh, I'll say, fine voice work of Lars Mikkelsen. I, I happen to think the Thrawn voice fits the character. Oh, I love the Thrawn voice. I absolutely and I know, love it. And, and, and really, um, you know, we, we, I, I've gone back and forth a little bit with, with Kyle over this. And I, I think Kyle said on the show last week that he wasn't really digging the voice, but... Uh, you know, um, I, I really am, I think. I've I really come to uh, associate that voice specifically with Thrawn. Mm. And, uh, oh, okay, and, and let me just take a quick a little, uh, I'm going to pull off the road here for just a second because I said voice work, and it got me thinking about mm. the voices I heard in this show. And um, 
I want to play this clip of this AT-AT driver and see if you guys can recognize the voice talent behind this character. You're in my line of fire, 271. I can't get a shot. <laughs> Do we know who that is? Yeah, that guy's playing Star Wars. <laughs> he loves it. He loves it. You can he hear it in the voice. I, that's a, I, that, that, is a, that is a brilliant observation. Listen to this. This does sound like someone out on the playground at recess, <laughs> freaking just tearing it up with the action figures. Listen. You're in the line of fire, 271. I can't get a shot. Oh, or, or in the sandbox, you know, or something. <laughs> I just, <laughs> someone Please, is playing, playing with their toys. <laughs> playing the stand-up arcade game. That's what it is right yeah, there. See. Right. So, ladies and gentlemen, Dave Filoni. And I know it's a real thrill for Filoni to voice this character because he's been pretty outspoken about his his passion for the design of the AT-AT driver, the helmets and, and oh, everything. Yeah, he's, right. always, he's always been very fond of the AT-AT driver. So make no mistake about it. It's not just a coincidence. He happens to be voicing this character. And just recently I asked Dave, I said, hey, you know, we're noticing you're doing a lot more. A, a lot more voice work on the show. And we always get a kick out of it when you do that. He's like, yeah. And I said, well, you know, is that a result of, I mean, is it just out of necessity? Yeah, it's budget or, constraints, I think, right? I, I, well, uh, you <laughs> no, know, I, no, you guys might laugh about that, but there are realities. Yeah, but he when wants it comes to, to he when wants, it comes, dude, dude he, wants he loves to play, to play Star, Star Wars. Wars. Yeah. He wants to play Star Wars. Yeah. I know he does. However, and, it, it does. You know what? I mean, it can come down to things like budget restraints. Dave is there, and oftentimes he'll he'll apply his own voice for like scratch tracks, just for for the animators to use. Maybe with the intention of having like a D Baker throwing a voice or a, a Steve Bloom. But you know, sometimes Filoni's voice just works in it. And we saw him start to tool around with some voices on Clone Wars. Since he's always there overseeing the voice recording sessions, he jumps in from time to time, and. Uh, He's obviously uh, SAG approved and um, ready to accept his Emmy whenever he gets, or an Annie, whatever comes first. And uh, I'm not talking Annie. Little Annie! (laughs) But, you know, I think he's just, he's doing a pretty good job. Sure, yeah, he sounds like action figure time, but that's what's, what's great about it. And just the... The fact that we can identify him, which is so much different from when he provided the voice for Embo mm-hmm. in the Clone Wars. He couldn't identify Dave there. He was, he was going through a lot of processing, speaking gibberish. But here we're, we're totally hearing. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I mean, I mean, we all know he's the voice at Chopper, don't we? I mean, that, how, how long do we have to keep that secret? I mean, it's not confirmed. I've never heard, but I think it's. it's oh, it's confirmed. It is confirmed? Just not, just not to any of us, just to that one little girl. That one little girl at Celebration, uh, he supposedly whispered it in her ear. Yeah, just but he like, says, I do. Look at his lips. He says it. Oh, really? It's, it's, on, the, it's on the Rebels, Rebels DVD Blu-ray. Oh, is it? For Bonus se- features. Yeah. For this season? Not, for season two, rather? Yeah, for season okay. two. All right. He's not giving any secrets to it. It's just like when people ask Carly Simon, <laughs> what's that song, You're So Vain? Who's that about? Or when they ask Alanis Morissette, you ought to know. Who's that song about? She <laughs> tells people different things. She tries to throw them off the trail. Nobody's going to find out. But I love hearing Filoni on the show. So it's always just kind of like um, I give myself bonus points when I when I hear him. And I go, hey, there he is. Yeah. So, uh Always good to hear Filoni. Uh, beep, beep, boop, beep. Uh, see, there's Chopper right there. <laughs> there we go. Beep, you guys. Beep, boop. <laughs> okay. Beep, beep. <laughs> All right. Hey, now, now, by the way, Chopper had some great up, moments way. in this episode, yeah. right? Great moments. Uh, leave it to Chopper. I think Ezra says to immediately trust Fulcrum or Callus. Um, I, oh, by know, the way, I love Undercover Chopper, too. He's been showing yeah. up with that <laughs> undercover paint scheme a lot lately. Yeah. So come on, Hasbro. Let's jump uh, on it. Give me an Undercover Chopper action figure. What are you waiting well, for? Well, where's Thrawn? Where's exactly. the Thrawn action figure? Weren't we supposed to get one? Didn't they show one off thought- last summer at, at one of the San Diego Comic-Cons or something like that? Uh, Rebels, uh, I think there was one. I 
Yeah, is there let's Rebels Thrawn? Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is. There's one coming. Uh, time we get Jedi Luke from Episode Seven. Oh, for Pete's sake! I mean, just <laughs> yeah, this means? was this was. I'll take any new ago. figures. Give yeah, me any right. New figures. I haven't had anything since Wave One. <laughs> well, I will tell you guys, there is hope because even here in in Canton, Ohio, I did see, I did find the the whole second wave of. The Rogue One stuff, uh, three and three quarter inch. The Krennic, Leia as Leia from Rebels. Uh, who else is in that? I, you know, here's the funny thing. Wow. I I found them all. Guess who I couldn't find? Who they didn't have? Of all Krennic. characters. No, I found Krennic. You did. I heard he's the the hard one to find. I'm not and I haven't found Vader. No you Vader. Couldn't find a Vader. I couldn't find a Vader. I couldn't find the Rogue One <laughs> Vader figure. I thought for, for the first sure time he'd ever. be. Yeah, first time ever. Exactly. I I couldn't find it. I and part of me wasn't even mad. I was just like, oh, that's cool. Kids wanting the Vader. Um, I got that one. You did get that one. Yeah, it was in my Lucasfilm swag bag from oh, this week. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, I'll tell you what. That's we'll be probably why all about I that. didn't have one. Yeah, <laughs> we'll be hearing about that on Rebel Force Radio. Hear all about me getting Swank's action figures. Oh, uh, okay. Where, where was I? I lost my train of thought here. That's very that's chopper very saying chopper. trust him. Trust him. Yeah, right. Yeah, I love that. That that's a great uh, that's a great callback. Uh, yeah, chopper is to Callus as three PO is to Lando. Yeah, uh, but I I gotta say, Jimmy, I thought that Kanan and Ezra were really ungrateful to Callus, and I mean, <laughs> oh, what, were, were they were they ungrateful or were they? I mean, did they did they not believe it? Did they think he was maybe a double agent? I'm I'm on the you know I'm with Chopper here. Trust him, trust him. He just saved your butts. Well, you know they do um, expose their um, cynicism about his desire to help them out at the end of the episode. They reveal they did not trust him. And they felt like he was setting them up for a trap. However, it a, gave a us one of the greatest moments of Star Wars humor of all time when Callis uh, said, now I have to make this look convincing. <laughs> yeah. and, they, and, and Ezra goes, okay, and just for, violent as hell force pushes him through that glass <laughs> display screen. And I laughed out this loud. This is after and, they stunned him, too, with the blaster. Yes. And I was watching it on uh, a, a player on my computer that had that little 10-second rewind button where you just hit it. And you can just. And I must have hit that thing 10 times just to watch him go through that again. Because it, it gave it really the, probably the most solid out loud laugh I've had at Star Wars since The Force Awakens. When Daisy Ridley says, this is the ship that made the castle run in less than 14 parsecs. And he goes, 12! <laughs> so, I, I mean, I love that. Me and Swank, when we saw The Force Awakens the first time, I, I remember, Jason, we both laughed at Oh, that, that was and fantastic. Then, and then here I am. It was such a I'm great watching, Harrison Ford moment. Uh, yes, and I'm watching Rebels by myself. And when that happened, I was just like, ha, oh, oh! You know, like that kind of laugh. I, I, I Like how Woody from Toy Story laughs. I was laughing like, like Woody, actually. It was a great moment and, and just so beautifully animated, perfectly timed. You know, I, I mean, timing, comedy is all timing, of course. And to get that and nail that in animation, I think, is even uh, more difficult. And they, they just did it. It was just, yeah, I'm with you. That was the highlight, I think, of the whole episode for me. And I, in an episode that I, that I really liked, uh, Shaz, uh, there's a, you know, this is the first time we've been back to Lothal since, what, end of season one? Were we... I'm trying to remember if we were there for the first part of season two or not. It's all blurring together for me. But we haven't been to Lothal in a while. Um, has it changed? What do you think? What's, what's the status of, well, of Lothal at this point? You know, they're blending in with some of the early spots for Rogue One. The flag of the Empire is flying everywhere. Mm. You know, I love it. That's the yeah. first thing you see is the Imperial Cog, and it's everywhere. And I think that's that's the point. The the Empire's taken over Lothal, and it's taken over more places than that. Uh, I think is the gist of it. It is a, this has been a lead up to Rogue One. Uh, you know, Jimmy, you've been saying that uh, they're giving us a break before Rogue One, but now they're getting us ready for Rogue One. Two weeks. Yeah, out. it seems that way. They threw some fluff at us, 
and now they're they're prepping us yeah. for uh, some. And I thought they were even taking it a step further in this episode when there were references at the very beginning about the Empire building a new type of weapon and their mm-hmm. section A two. And I, so I thought, oh, for sure, that's the area where the Death Star is being constructed. That's that's their inside lingo, section A two. And then they reveal later in the episode that it's actually the Tie Defender, as they refer to it as some sort of Tie Interceptor. But it's the Tie Defender from the '90s computer game. Games Tie Fighter. Yep. If you guys remember that one, and so here yep. we are, two weeks in a row, getting references to '90s computer games on Star Wars Rebels. Last week it was the Dark Troopers. This week it's the Tie Defender. All right, Retro so, Dads, I, I submit to you is is 1994. Is that now retro? Oh sure, oh, it yeah. is now. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not our retro, but it's retro right. to somebody. Yeah, it, that, yeah, you know, you retro. Clone Wars came out, and when season three of Clone Wars was out, things that were twenty years old were being referred to, and that was retro. And now you've got the same thing. You've got almost ten years between the two, don't you? See, well, not not quite, not quite seven years. Yeah, about seven years between you're talking the whole about other generation. Between season three of uh, of Clone Wars and season three of Rebels. Yeah, that's probably more like five. But still, it, Clone Wars started in '08. And it's sixteen now. That's eight years difference between one oh, and three. No, Still, no, it was it was uh, was it oh eight or oh seven? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 08. The movie came out in oh seven though, didn't it? It no, was oh eight. It was oh eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, I get your point. It is retro to the, it is retro uh, to to some folks, and and that was cool. I, I thought Jim, I was kind of with you. I thought, well, maybe is this a smoke screen? Uh, for what's really going on, which is you know the development of the decks, we don't really know, do we, about what's so special about Lothal? We assume that there's that there's some connection. I mean, why would the the uh, the Imperials have such a stronghold there? Is it this factory, or can we assume they're mining kyber crystals? There's kyber crystals there. We already know that. Yes, we yeah. do. Uh, but and the, we know that's going to come into play in Rogue One. And it's coming into play, especially in the novel Star Wars Catalyst, Rogue One Catalyst. Yeah, that's a great book. Yeah. And we've seen in other books, too, that they will just go in and uh, take a planet and use it for whatever specific thing they need, even until it's dead. Yes, right. So I, I And then leave I it. I think that's but right. Do you, and I, so Lothal, is, I, that's what it is. Do you think that there's something to this? T- I mean, could this TIE Defender just be a smokescreen? Because really, if they develop these ships... These ships actually, you know, they talk about it on the show. I mean, if, if, if the Empire has their way and they're able to create a fleet of these ships, uh, I mean, they're sunk. I mean, you've got you've got basically something that can um, I mean, they'd be just sitting ducks in a in a in a vehicle like this that has the kind of maneuverability plus uh, hyperdrive plus uh, shields. I mean, this mm-hmm. would be it would be checkmate. It'd be game over. That's why I think they can't get something's got to happen. They can't get this or it would completely change uh, the timeline it's too expensive to build too expensive to build they're not going to do it i i think you know you said you wanted to see thrawn you know in action rather than what's going on off, off, off screen mm-hmm. think about it he knows that there's sabotage going on there mm-hmm. he calls out that this is a restricted area knowing that if there are rebels in there they're going to go looking for it and they go looking for it they get the plans he intended for them to get the plans. It was all too easy. All it was too all easy. too easy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so exactly. if he did want them to get the plan, so this could be a smokescreen. Is this is and this there to is this is this there to uh, is this the the the, the bait or is this uh, you know as I say is this a distraction from what's really going on and it's that big thing up in the sky. No, I, I think this is a priority for Thrawn, these tie defenders, mm-hmm. and I, I know I think it's legit. I, I don't think he expected to lose those plans. That's a loss for him. I don't care what he says. <laughs> is it really, or is it a? Is it? Did he intend for that to happen, and he used it to draw out not just the rebels, the Lothal rebels, but to draw out the traitor amongst them. And how possible? So I, I'm not one to to believe that Thrawn was aware of the traitor in the ranks until 
these events happened until he says so, huh? Yeah. I'm, I'm taking, I'm taking a lot of what happens in this episode purely on face value. I, I don't, I don't dig deep into this one. I, I think no. what you see is what you get with this particular episode. I think Thrawn took a loss. I don't think he was expecting the rebels to actually end up with those plans from section a two. I think when he was telling them to make it a priority, it was a legitimate priority and something that needed to be protected. And now they've gone in and lost those, the, the, you know, the plans. So that definitely I, puts a, a wrinkle in, in everything. So, yeah, I think it's a, it's a loss that he lost the plans, but I don't think he's worried about it too much. And I think the factory, I don't think it's a smokescreen so much, but it's obviously a big factory. They don't just make this TIE fighter there. They also make, you know, they make speeder bikes, they make walkers, they make, I mean, they make all kinds of stuff. So I think it's just a, a big facility where a lot of the Empire's weapons come out of. So I don't think he's worried necessarily that they have the plans, but I don't think he would have let him get away with it on purpose. He certainly seemed to think that that was what they were after, and that was a top priority, but... Then again, he did know they were after it, and he was right. So maybe he is planting a seed here. You know, and 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 you're convincing me somewhat because you're a. This is a classic Filoni thing. You remember way way back in the Clone Wars season two, I think, when uh, we first ran to Mandalore. Um, he brings up uh, Jango Fett. Obi Wan brings up Jango Fett, and uh, Talmec was that his name? Yeah. Uh, he, he said, no, Remember. he wasn't really a Mandalorian. And, you know, we're all into, the, oh, he's trying to cover it up. But fact was, no, it's just take it at face value. So mm. you may be right. That's Dave throws those things out at face value. And mm-hmm. sometimes just to see how deeply we'll look at things. <laughs> well, you know, we got to stretch the show out a little bit here. on the but, uh, <laughs> yeah, And, and we like to look deeply because we're looking for Thrawn to do something. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, I... I, I this concept came to me um, when I was watching the episode yesterday, and it's this, you know, we've had now two fulcrums, and we've had three inquisitors. So this idea, these rotating characters, or these characters that are, you know, almost a, a play within the play, um, is, is kind of fascinating. And uh, I, I know that the inquisitors... I'm assuming the in, the whole inquisitor. Do we think the, the whole inquisitor plot line is is over? Yeah, it certainly has not reared its uh, sometimes ugly head here in season three. It, it it really those inquisitors of season two were about as ineffective as <laughs> any villain could be. They were never a threat. They were never intimidating. They were they were filler. They were they were seat warmers for Thrawn for the next good idea. <laughs> well, Thrawn, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, is yeah, well, you know, I, I'm sure the, the ineffectiveness of those characters and the lack of evolution, the fact that they were sloppy seconds to that great Jason Isaac character from the first season, yeah. Jason Isaacs. Right, right. Yeah. You know, it's it's that was a tough act to follow. And they give us these spinoffs that really never mattered to anything. No. And God loves Sarah, they, Sarah Jessica Parker, but I'm not going to be intimidated. Wait, 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 Sarah, Sarah, Michelle Geller, Geller, Sarah, Michelle Geller, Sarah, Michelle Geller, Sarah, Michelle Geller, yeah, Mrs. Prince. Why am I? Yeah. Sarah Michelle Keller. <laughs> was that Sex in the City? I yeah, 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 yeah. Sarah Jessica Parker. Yeah. Okay. And so Matthew what Broderick's the voice of Kanan. Right. Like, <laughs> yes. So, like, that's exactly, or like Dana Carvey or something. You know, it, you know <laughs> never sound intimidating. And uh, but they, needed, they needed somebody to keep them on the run so they, could, they would always have kind of a threat, but they couldn't have somebody like a Vader tracing after him because that, that they couldn't be eluding somebody like Vader so much. And they needed so, the lightsaber I mean, battles, it, right? Yeah, and so it, it really was kind of this generic villain that they needed. They but shouldn't they have killed up, off like, the they, first Inquisitor. No, I, I, don't, I don't think so either. I, though I do kind of enjoy the fact that he came back in Kanan's vision um, yes. with training him. I, I like that. Um, but 
they opened up a pretty big can of worms. I mean, this whole idea, and I, I know that there were rumors that Inquisitors were going to be in Force Awakens. The concept, the idea of Inquisitors. Yeah. Uh, I, I, maybe that's what people thought the Knights of Ren were, and that you know Kylo was potentially a, an Inquisitor. Um, it, I mean, so it was. I f- I feel like it was a a big can of worms to open up in the Star Wars universe. And it just hasn't really had a satisfying conclusion for me yet. Uh, and maybe it never will. Maybe it's just like a, we're going to just kind of shove that under the rug. But I would yeah, love to see th- them tie that I up. think we know, I th- really think we know what we're going to know about the Inquisitors. I, I don't see any more evolution happening with the Inquisitors. Hmm. They're just seat fillers. Wow. So yeah. disposable. That's not on a big limb, though. I mean, these these, you know, potential... Uh, descendants of the uh, of the of the babies that Palpatine was stealing mm-hmm. uh, back during the events of the Clone Wars, and then sort of Vader's private assassins. Uh, I, I mean, it was just a. I thought it was a pretty compelling idea. Sure, uh, but you know, has that ever been confirmed that those babies that Maul or uh, Palpatine was hanging out with in that episode of Clone Wars. I know, it, was never, it was never 100% sure. confirmed. I don't believe it was ever yeah. confirmed. Not but confirmed, but it's implied. It is it implied, implied, yeah. And, and when you think of the additions they made to the, uh, the uh, premiere episode of Rebels, the Spark of Rebellion feature, mm-hmm. you know, they added the Vader stuff. Yes, Vader right. unleashing these guys. Or the, and that's, the that's when that plot, that, that story thread was kind of thrown out there about hunting down the children of the Jedi or the, the children of the force, what, however yeah, they worded. Yeah. Right. And, and it's really something we haven't seen followed up on at all. Well, we did have sure that one episode where, uh, they were saving the baby. Yes. They were saving the baby, save the baby. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, you, you think you'd see more of that and, and you just thought you'd, you'd see more of a priority from Vader. And I really thought then he'd take a serious interest in Ezra from that point. So maybe we'll see that go. Maybe all these seeds have been planted. We've seen Vader express the priority of hunting down these force sensitive children. We know Ezra is a force sensitive kid. And we also know that Ezra has felt the lure of the dark side. Wouldn't it be nice to see all of those things come together here before Rebels wraps it up for good? I certainly would like to see that. I need that Maybe it will, you know, with Darth Maul. Maybe Darth Maul is the, is the link that's going to bring all of this together and he's going to show up again next week. Yeah. Well, um, maybe. Ma- ma- yeah, maybe. It could be a hallucination. A or, yeah, it could be a vision or just, isn't it called visions and voices or something like that? Yeah, I think so. Uh, um, it could just be a commercial for action figures. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I, I got to <laughs> tell you, though, I, I thought that the whole AT- ATDP uh, versus ADAT battle there at the end, I mean, that was just right out of playing with the toys. I mean, it was oh, yeah. so much fun to watch. And uh, the clever, you know, exchange that they did. Um, Kanan and Ezra, I thought it was great. I, I also really enjoyed their. They had a little bit of banter, Jim, going back to the uh, scene you mentioned where they, where Ezra force pushes Callus uh, into the glass, and Kanan sounds like he's gonna, you know, scold him. But it was really that he, yeah, he was the one that wanted to do it. Yeah, lost opportunity. <laughs> yeah, and, right. You know, I mean, and you could almost feel the sort of cathartic nature that act t- was for Ezra. Just, uh, boy, I've been dying to do that to this guy yeah. for three seasons now. <laughs> so <laughs> throwing him through the glass. That was fantastic. There didn't seem but, to be uh, any moments of sort of the, the student-teacher uh, relationship shown here with Ezra uh-huh. and, and Kanan. They, they seem Haven't like seen equals, right? Uh, this whole season felt like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we haven't seen much of that since season two. Any sort of training for Ezra. I'd like to think that, again, we're talking about things happening off camera. But I'd like to think that there is some sort of maintenance of his Jedi training going on. Mm-hmm. There was no mention of anyone abandoning that training. So you'd have to assume it's still going on. Despite the fact that Ezra has been dancing with the dark side. I, I think that would motivate Kanan even more. But again, Kanan's dealing with a new handicap, and he's still dealing. But I, he's, he seems very capable. Yeah. In this episode, were you ever even once reminded of the fact that Kanan had no eyesight? 
Not one time. No, seem except like he a little had perfect eyesight. The little scar just across when he, the face. Yeah, yeah. so when he took his right. mask off, that's it. Right. Even then, he's looking at Callus right in the eyes. He's yeah. not staring off, you know, um, kind of like how we've seen Donnie Yen play his character in Rogue One. You you see him not not focusing in on anyone who's talking to him necessarily and, and acting more natural, I think, in, in the role. And uh, <laughs> but I, I just thought it, it seemed very curious to me that we really just are accepting Kanan now as virtually having sight. Yeah. When he he clearly physically cannot see. So oh, and through this so, whole episode, they did that. Right on the, on the land speeder. Yeah, he naturally just goes for one of the legs, and Ezra goes for the other one. They both punch the troopers in the helmet, barefisted, at the same time. Um, no you know? reminders. No reminder. I mean, yeah. even like something just a little throwaway moment, like like um, do you see them? Where are they coming <laughs> from? You know, anything like that? <laughs> like you know? well, like uh, like. Hondo did last week. Oh, that was fantastic. Those, those kind of throwaway moments. <laughs> oops. Oops. I, did I don't even think I don't even think we, we didn't mention that last week. That was I mean, I, I said I think I did say that it was really the, the height of writing for Hondo. Um, the line that it was just fantastic dialogue. And I love all those little allusions to his, his sight, <laughs> loss of sight. Um, but you're right, Jim. I mean, there's just nothing. And, and look, I, I, I get Look, I, I, I get what they're trying to say, and I, I love this idea that, you know, he sees beyond, um, you know, mortal or, or human sight. Mm-hmm. But we're not reminded of that either. Right. You know, we're yeah. not. It's just like he has normal human vision. Right. It's just for this episode. He can see is almost kind of the feeling I was getting. Yes. And but but on the other side of the coin, too, they could be making a statement that says, hey, look, this guy has suffered a massive injury. He's living with a handicap and look at this. He can hold himself with everyone else. He can do anything anyone else can. And, uh, you know, that's, that, that's a positive message to anyone, I think, because we're all dealing, we're all fighting our own wars individually and independently. And sometimes, you know, just getting motivation out of places you don't normally think you would is something that I know the writers of star Wars occasionally like to tap into that sort of thing. So, Maybe, maybe that's kind of the message we're getting from this. Well, next week, Haunted by Visions. Visions of Maul, Ezra has a journey across the galaxy. Upon arriving at his destination, he has to participate in a strange ritual to sever his connection to Maul. So there's a connection. And you know, when I when I saw the, the, the preview for this episode, I thought, well, isn't Maul supposed to be on Tatooine hunting down Obi-Wan Kenobi? He lives... He lives. <laughs> so I thought maybe he's gonna ta- travel. Maybe he'll travel to Tatooine. I don't. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, great times talking about uh, this particular episode. An inside man with our inside men, our techno retro dads. Thank you guys so much for being here. Oh, thank you. Thank I you. Thought Billy Joel was going to be in this. What's that? I am an inside man. I'm silly. What is that a song? No. Oh, it is now. Sorry. It's all right. (laughs) I, you know, my whole life, I live my whole life in the world of musical theater, where at any point I could just break into song. I can find a song that can go at just about any moment. I wasn't following that one though. But you guys uh, (laughs) can be found at uh, technoretrodads.com. Subscribe in iTunes, or else can we find you? You you can also uh, find us at uh, RetroZap.com and also on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, just kind of anywhere anybody wants to talk about uh, retro stuff, new stuff that you guys uh, love to enjoy, like Star Wars and anything else you grew up with. So come on, join the fun. 
Excellent. All right. Well, great to see you guys or virtually see you. See you like Kanan sees you. <laughs> uh, Jimmy Mack, final thoughts inside man. Memories. Da, da, dee, da, da, dee. That was for Swank. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Showtune. That's the only show tune I know, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh, you know right. more than that. Come on. Come on. I know you know more than that. That's the only one I can think of when put on the spot. All right. All right, Jason. Final mm-hmm. thoughts on an inside man. You know, um, I thought this was a really great episode, primarily for the fact that we went home. We went home to Lothal, a place that we couldn't wait to get out of at the end of season one. I found very refreshing to return to Lothal. And, uh, yeah, taking note of some more imperial oppression going on on that planet, further establishment of imperial domination. And you could see that just in in very subtle ways uh, as the episode unfolded. And some not-so-unsubtle ways. You know, hey, top-notch soundtrack from Kevin Kiner. I found his soundtrack for this episode to really hit the spot. And great voice work all around. We talked about Filoni. But D. Baker, again, making a larger imprint on Star Wars Rebels since he returned to the fold in Season 2. And I find it interesting that D. is now voicing Stormtroopers after D. spent the entire run of the Clone Wars voicing Clone Troopers. I thought that the clones were basically phased out of the Empire by the time of Rebels. But they still all have the same voice. Not all of them, but you still hear D. So uh, I think there are a couple clones still snuck in there. We'll see. Hmm. If it it keeps D. Baker employed, then that's (laughs) all I care. Because he's a great guy to have working on Star Wars. Um, I was very happy to see Thrawn finally discovering Sabine's graffiti art and analyzing it. Because that seemed to me one of the most obvious things that would happen when we heard Ron was coming to the show. I figured for sure he would start taking a close look at some of the graffiti, start to decipher the clues about what the rebellion is up to. And sure enough, start doing that in this episode, along with the fact that Callus was finally revealed as the new fulcrum. Very satisfying, uh, as Jason mentioned. We had some walker-on-walker walker action, and uh, they even, they even you know, they even uh, threw in a little uh, line of dialogue in there to uh, let us know that this was kind of a special moment because the guy goes, well, you don't see that every day. So, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and, you know, just like earlier this season, we saw tie-on-tie action. Here we're seeing walker-on-walker walker action. Hey, maybe before it's uh, all said and done, we'll see Vader go up against the Emperor. How cool would that be? Now that's Puff just pig. crazy talk. Crazy talk. Crazy, crazy. Puff a pig, not in this episode. All right, we'll see you next time here. Rebels Declassified at Rebel Force Radio. For Rebel Force Radio, I'm Jason. I'm Jimmy Mack. And remember, the Force will be with you always. Always.